human nature. People want to know reasons. If I do this, this happens. Really, in God's world, we have no idea how he works. We have no idea why we get the things we get. I understood right away that he's a director, God, and he's directing this movie. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm an actor. I'm not the director. So you're the director. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Giving one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Hello, everyone. It's Barbara Heller. Welcome back to See One Beautiful Soul. Today, my guest is Danny Cohen, a comedian, a friend, a helper, an inspiration. You can find him at Danny Cohen Comedy on Instagram, and you will thank me for it because it is is hours and hours of just silly, wacky, fun, sweet comedy. He's the co-creator and co-host of Spin Cycle Comedy, a weekly comedy variety show held in a laundromat. He's also appeared on Comedy Central's Premium Blend. He was the first runner-up on the search for America's wackiest comedian. When there isn't a pandemic happening, he can be seen at the Comedy Cellar in New York City, as well as every major comedy club in the New York area. And he sometimes goes on tour. He is just the sweetest, not normal comedian. And I mean that in the kindest sense of the word. He's just, I mean, every comedian I've had so far on this podcast has been amazing. Um, And I have a lot of comedian friends that are really funny and really sweet. And it's just not normal to meet someone as heart-centered as Danny. Unnarcissistic, is that a word? Like someone who just really is very present and a great listener and is really focused on whomever they're speaking to in the moment. He is extremely brave to talk about some of the things that we talk about today. This episode has everything. We talk about religion, politics, sexuality. He also makes the most adorable original art ties. Yes, like ties for men. I mean, I guess women could wear them too. Or anyone who identifies as anyone who wants to wear a tie, go to Danny Cohen Ties on Facebook and you'll be pleasantly surprised. He also is an incredible interior designer, and I've been in homes where he's done his work, and it's so gorgeous. He makes his own original stencils. Huge restaurants hire him to come in and do all of their stencils on the wall. I just put out a video on Amazon.com right under my book of me reading my book live. So please take a look at that. If you go to Amazon and type in and then one day the world coughed you'll see a little video in the little liner notes or you can go on my youtube channel uh barbara heller creator or barbara heller artist and educator you can find it under either of those and you you can find me reading my book to you and if you like it i challenge you i dare you in the best way to pick up a copy of my book read it over the holidays if you want or anytime over a long weekend with someone that you love and then video yourselves actually reading the book together and then discussing some of the points in the book because there's so much chunky and deep stuff. So I'd love to see your reactions in video to it and maybe just excerpts of your conversation because that is what makes me so excited. You could post it on the See One Beautiful Soul podcast page, on my artist page, on Instagram. It is such a joy. It really is a joy. Like that's, that's it. Just to be in your presence. You know how much I love you, Barbara. Light of my life. You're like so talented and so deep and you have so much to say. If people haven't noticed this yet, they're going to notice it now. I'm highlighting. When you eat something, we all want to eat it. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's hilarious. That means that I'm really a candidate for doing food commercial. For I mean, I've only known you a couple of years now, which is like amazing. I could say I feel like I've known you my whole life. Like yeah, there's yeah, me too. Likewise. Right? Like you meet them, you're like right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like a soul connection. Yeah, something, right. Something like, oh, we're on the same tree somewhere. When we probably are. We're both Jews. And we come from those inbred Jews family where we only marry Jew, you know? So it's like, yeah. we gotta, we're like cousins anyway. Really, it's just family. It's like, you know, the whole thing. And I love your mom also. My mom loves you. Always I know. So there's a, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of chemistry going on. When you eat and talk about food, I always think that's a show. Like who would not want, why are you not on the Food Network? I don't understand. Like you could totally have. I don't know. And I've been in the business for many years and I've auditioned a lot for a lot of different things. And who knows, you know, it's a weird life. It life is a weird life. Weird. We don't know. We just do what we do. I'm also not very aggressive. I'm the kind of person that's like, you know what? Just live your life. Enjoy your life. You know, be grateful. And things will come your way if they're supposed to come your way. You don't have to kill yourself. I'm a big fan of not working that hard. That's another thing we have in common. I have a lot of balance in my life and I'm very spiritual and I, you are too. So let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start. You grew up in Brooklyn and then you went to Israel, right? Yes, I, I grew up in Midwood where I'm back I'm back now, my old stomping ground. I just turned 16, we moved to Israel. My family, uh, my mom sold the home and we bought a home in Jerusalem and I lived there till I was about 20. I came back when I was 20. Just for the time that you really need your friends. Like, let's leave. Yeah. yeah. I'll start some new ones. I felt like sort of like an army brat because I didn't connect with Israeli in a cultural way. I was just, I'm very American. A lot of Americans would come would come to Israel in September and then they would leave in June. So I would make a lot of friends in September and then I would say goodbye to them in June and then a new crew would come in. I would make new friends in September and they would leave in June. I'd make an, I learned how to make a lot of friends, how to maneuver through that. Yeah. You know, what works when you're making friends, how not to be too desperate, how to be chill, how to lead, how to get people on my side. You know, I learned all that because you have to. When did you discover your comedy? My friends discovered my comedy. They're the ones that my whole life would tell me, you know, you should do stand-up. And I never liked stand-up. You know, I, I hated it. I never watched it growing up. And then I was part of a theater group, acting workshop, HP Studios. And then I went to Stephen Jobs' shop. And then- Not Stephen Jobs. Stephen no, Jobs. No, spectacular acting teacher. He changed my life. What did he see in you? It was a small- lesson that changed my life. Just a small little tweak. And I just understood that, focused on it, and took time to fix it. And once I did, my entire life changed. Like, everything changed, just from that small little thing. And I, and I owe it to him. What was the one thing? I grew up in a broken home. I, I did grow up with a father. He died when I was a kid. My mother was single. She's a widow. She wasn't expecting to be left with four children, ages five to 16. She was no longer the woman she was when she was married to my father. She had to turn into something else to raise her family. She put on her pants and she turned into this Wonder Woman. We lost a lot of this mother, but we gained this superhuman that raised a family, which is great. I just want to put a pin here. I only heard this on Jessica Kirsten's podcast, Relatively Sane, but I was blown away hearing about your father's death and what happened was so I couldn't I honestly had a visceral like I started to shake because I didn't believe it I was like wait I know Danny and someone who went through that kind of trauma would walk around with it most people I know who had a parent pass away when they were younger carry that the way your father passed away 
I just feel like it would be great if you could talk about it because I am still in shock of like how you don't carry any of that PTSD on you. You must have done so much work. Uh, you know, don't make the mistake to think that I don't carry it around. It, it, you know, we all carry around childhood trauma. We all do. We all carry it different. Some of us hide it better, better than others and manifests differently in different people. A lot of layers to the human being, to the human mind. They're called pain bodies. You actually carry them in your body. I, I've been learning about that recently. Yeah, I mean, it could be any The way you eat, the way you act, the way you uh, act Relationships. with uh, men or with women or uh, with yourself. I mean, it can be so many things that are subtle that sort of sort of destroy my own day, day in and day out. All of us, we all have our challenges. But yeah, oh, he was killed by a billboard fell on him. He was killed in an accident. You know, uh, he owned a store. He was first of all, he was it worked. In, he was a Mossad agent, which is the most ridiculous thing for his entire life. For since he was eighteen, he was in the intelligence, in Israeli intelligence, and until before I was born, he was in with the Mossad. Sixty-five, he was with the Mossad, and then he came to America in like nineteen sixty-five, sixty-six. He just decided to go into retail because his brothers were in retail. He owned a store. We were saving money to go back to Israel. The store collapsed. He was closing the store and it collapsed and the entire facade, the front wall collapsed, killed him and killed a woman with her baby that was strolling by. You know, just just, just the whole thing just came down and, and my mother went to get the car. She said, I'll be back in like 10 minutes. She went, she picked up some vegetables and fruits and went to the, around the corner and got the car. By the time she came back, the street was closed up and it was just a matter of a, a few minutes. And then he was gone. And then she had to raise four kids on her own, just like that. How old were you? I was five. She got the shake. She was left with a burden. No one really spoke about it. It was in 1970s. Nobody really spoke about stuff like this. I went to therapy at a young age because I was not okay in school after that. Um, and so they, they suggested therapy. So I went to therapy, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, like my whole life I've been in therapy. Um, not my That's why you play such a good therapist in our show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in a crazy home. My mother, you know, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't have great parenting. Um, I know my mother did the best she could, but there was a lot of screaming. She was always scream. My mother's a screamer. She screams for a kid. That wasn't her choice. She would scream a lot. That's how I learned. I screamed a lot also. I would go from one to a hundred a lot. I owned this restaurant when I was 24 years old. My family didn't want me to go into show business, so they bought me a restaurant in Manhattan. And I ran like the most gorgeous, most beautiful gourmet kosher restaurant at the time, called Medici 56. We were in the center of Crane's Magazine, restaurant business since I was 17, waiting tables, busing. I ran the front of the house. You know, I, I hired and fired. But the way I spoke to my staff was really, in hindsight, horrible. I mean, I just didn't know how to manage, manage people and manage a business. I spoke to them like I would speak to a family member. And me speaking to a family member was how my mother spoke to me and so it was just a matter of yelling and screaming. And you know those douchebag like owners? Yeah. That's who I was. I could be nice, but I could be nasty in within a minute. Then I started taking acting classes. And so when I would read scenes, and I had one-on-one, -on -one. I did one-on-one -on -one a lot with um, with my a monologue coach, with Stephen Jobs, even though he was a, he had um, a class, I did one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one with him. And I would do these scenes, these one acts. He's like, okay, I'm going to read you. You read this part, I'll read that part. And we would read and then we start. And then I would get angry right away. He's like, why are you choosing to get angry in the scene? I'm like, I don't know, because I want, I want, he's like, how, if that's what you want, 
do you think you're going to get what you want? Mm. I'm like, well, I'm angry. I'm like, he's like, yes, I understand you're angry because you're not getting what you want. But how are you going to get what you want? I'm like, um, oh, wow. I don't know. I guess by yelling louder. He's like, <laughs> he's like no, no, the opposite. You're going to get what you want through love and through power. So you have to take it down and, and, and lo- find the love in the scene. And through love, you'll get what you need from your, from your, from your scene partner. Now let's try it again. Don't yell, don't scream, don't get angry, find love. And I did, and, I, and it felt right. I'm like, oh, wow, that ah. felt right. That's the way to do it. And I was with him for two years, and that was my therapy, and that was the best therapy ever. I changed my whole life, and I learned how to speak to people, and I learned not to yell, and I learned not yeah. to get angry at a drop of a hat. And so that changed my whole life. Yeah, you're so loving when you talk to people. It's like kind of hard to imagine you as a screamer at all. Except when you do the character of the lady on Instagram. And if you guys haven't seen that, you need to watch it. I feel like it's a little bit your mom and a little bit that guy, the jerk. <laughs> There's a lot of just crazy in that. And a little senility, yeah. The hashtag Danny and the lady. <laughs> oh, it's so good. My mom loves those. She's like, send me more. Um, so... You had this great acting teacher and then your therapy really began when you were in your mid-20s. And then how did you get to stand up? I was at part of a theater group and, you know, we would have like all these people come and go. People did one act and we would have like guests that showed up. And there was this guy, Johnny Spanish. He was a very funny comedian, stand up. And he was speaking to me backstage. He's like, you're funny. You should do something. <laughs> like, you're, you're a stand-up comic. I'm like, you know, people always told me that. My whole life, everyone's always like, stand-up comedy. I really don't like it. He goes, no, no, no. You got to go for it. You got to do it. You're great. I'm telling you, you're going to be great. Johnny Spanish. That was his stage name. His real name is uh, Sean Miller. I was like, this group, people, everyone's young. Like, everyone's like, papers, notes. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, it was, it was fun. It was like, ooh, everyone. And then you get up on stage and you can perform. I'm like, ooh, I can do this every Thursday, every Tuesday and Thursday. I can get up and perform. And they're like, yeah, you just have to pay $5. I'm like, oh my God, I can pay $5 and just <laughs> get up and sort of just figure it out. So I did that. And it took me a long time to figure it out. It took me many years to find my voice, but that was how it started. And once I got bit by the bug and I got bit by the stand-up comedy bug very early on, maybe like within the, within the first few weeks, I fell in love with the idea that I can get up on stage and develop something to call my own, a craft, an idea. People seem to like me. So likable, so fun. I, when you I get up on stage, it's like just being like home with a cup of tea. It's just so fun. It was fun hard in the beginning. It was hard for me. I didn't know anything about stand-up. I really wasn't a fan. So I didn't understand what a joke was. I didn't know that there's a setup and there's a punchline. I had no idea. And so I got a job at Gotham Comedy Club. I went to the owner after I got bit by the bug in the first maybe two months. I was like, how am I going to get in? So I was like, I went to Chris Mazzilli and I was like, hey, you know, are you looking for anybody to do anything? He's like, well, I'm actually, I need a porter to do dishes. I'm like, I'll do dishes. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, I can pay you. And then uh, I'm like, but I really need stage time. I'm like, he goes, no problem. You know what I'll do is I'll pay you. You can do the Tuesdays and Thursdays open mics for free. And also Friday and Saturday, we have pre-shows at six o'clock. 
before the real show start. I'll give you a spot every Friday and Saturday night. So you have Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm like, oh my God, amazing. So I worked there for almost three years and I moved very quickly. After a year, I, I, I moved from cleaning the bathrooms and the toilets and, the, and, the, and mopping the floors to the phones. Within a year, I was answering phones at the front desk. I was doing 10 spots a week. You cleaned toilets I for comedy. Toilet for comedy, yes. This show is really about forgiveness. It's okay. really about how you saw yourself as a beautiful soul and then in turn how you see others so who was the person in your life that taught you how to forgive and taught you how to see yourself as a beautiful soul wow well Stephen Jobs really he changed my life forgiveness I don't know I think by nature I'm grateful that I'm a forgiving person by nature I have a good nature like that I'm not I don't, I don't really hold on to grudges my sister was a big part of my life in regards to embracing my gifts. So that was nice that I had, I was grateful that I have a, a beautiful sister that is an amazing human being. And she's just a very, very opened and very kind and loving person and very spiritual as well. I think I know who you're talking about. I've seen her in your videos on Instagram. And yeah, she's, she's like you with an Afro. She's just yeah, so yeah. adorable and she's crazy. So comfortable in her own skin the way that you are. Did she teach you how to forgive when people were not nice? As far as teaching how to forgive, you know, my mother raised me with an iron fist. She would pound that into my head a lot. There, you're going to get a lot of beatings in life, she told me. You're going to constantly get beaten up day in and day out. And you're going to have to figure out how to keep your head held high, how to relax, and how to not let these beatings change you. You're going to get beaten up left and right. That's life. Life is all about learning how to take the punches and rolling with the punches. If you don't know how to do that, you're not going to make it. You're going to have to learn how to beat up and strong. And she's like, and part of that is forgiving. Part of that is just brushing it off the shoulders. You want to do this? No problem. You want to call me that? No problem. You want to not? No. That's you, not me. That's all your garbage. It's not my garbage. You want to attack me? You want to call me this? You want to not let me do? You want to? You want to? You blah da 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 da. It's all them. It's not you. You have choices. You can make the choice to either react in a bad way or ignore and continue your life and keep going on your journey. No one can stop you. I mean, they can stop you. When they stop you, they stop you. But you have to do the best until they do. What I like about it is you can be tough and and forgive. You can be strong and forgive, as opposed to this like. Chinese idea, which, you know, I'm always kind of toying with because I just read a book on pain blockers and people like uh, the Chinese have this thing where they meditate all day, the monks and the lunks, the lady monks, and they, they pray and they, they take in all the pain of the world and then they let it, they release it. And in the process, they say some of them develop diabetes and all these crazy diseases, even though they eat really healthy. And people wonder why it's because while they're taking it in, it's actually a physical thing. And sometimes it manifests in a negative way because they are they never actually get angry. They feel it and then they release it and, and get this like high from it, but they don't actually go through the steps of what does this mean? And how, how can I learn it? And how can I teach others? It's like a private energy thing. And it's really nice. They're taking on people's crap, but they're not, you know, and I'm, I'm not here to judge that. I think it's actually really beautiful. And I wish more people would sacrifice their own, lives really enjoy to do that well, but i don't know if it's the healthiest thing all the yeah. time for everyone yeah. to do. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's important to meditation and, 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 and re- meditation is really great and everybody should meditate. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about meditating for the entire world and taking all that on you. That's a lot for anybody. I, mean, I don't know if that's fair to anybody really, um, you know, because it's, and, and it's part of quantum physics, you know, all of that mystical spiritual stuff. And it's one of the, one of the, it's one of the, um, one of the laws, the laws of science. So it yeah. does, it does. It does but it doesn't just disappear. It kind of like comes in and out and we all take it on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also take on the uh, neuroses and pain of our parents. We even, we even talked about that in Judaism, that you kind of get the stuff that your parents left behind. So you have to really be conscious of it and let it go. Because if you're not, it'll eat you alive, God forbid. And like, just repeat itself here. Right. Um, The other thing that I was really blown away by was your conversations about being gay and really coming to terms with it and having to deal with rabbis who were like, okay, we're going to get rid of this thing. And here's how we do it. Right. And then your whole dance with it. I mean, I have always thought the world of you since the day I met you. And when I learned about this whole, like you went through conversion therapy, I was like, the fact that you like even tried to go through it more more than once on your own terms. Like, I really want to try this. When I was an adult. Yeah. When you were an adult and then to talk about it, it, it's just, I mean, I really, I'm blown away. I think like you're such a stand for people and you're so like, I don't know. I just, I think you're such an amazing role model because you're not like, you're, you're like, you, you tried it. And I think that, you know, maybe some people might want to try, you know, I, I have nothing to say either way. Like everyone should do that. Like, I, you no, know, it's not a popular stand at all, at all. It goes against the narrative of, of, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of, society, of, of Western society, really. Um, but I am, before anything else, um, I like to consider myself, well, I'm definitely a spiritual Jew, but I like to consider myself a religious Jew. I know I don't follow laws. I'm not really following laws these days because I have my own struggles and my own challenges with it, and it's like a mess. But, but ideally, I would love to live an orthodox Jewish lifestyle because I believe in, in the laws, the, the divine laws of the Torah. So with that comes this gay lifestyle. So then you like, you know, you can't have both. It doesn't work, it just doesn't. I know a lot of people will argue with me, but you can argue with me and you have a right, you know, people have rights to feel the way they feel. I don't, I don't, I don't believe or feel that you can, be orthodox Jewish and live a gay lifestyle. It's not allowed. It's like being orthodox Jewish and eating a bacon cheeseburger. I know. I mean, that's how I approach Judaism. Not everybody approaches Judaism the way I approach Judaism. I believe that the words of the Torah should not be changed and you should follow the laws of the Torah as my father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-great-great. For thousands of years, the laws have held 
without, they were held up thousands of years ago, and the same laws hold up today just as well. Um, yeah. And I believe in that concept. I believe in that. I don't believe in changing divine law. I don't believe that I have a right, only because I believe that it's divine law. A lot of people don't believe that Torah is divine law. They believe that some old man wrote it in a desert like 3,000 years ago. Right. Wow, what a genius. He wrote all <laughs> those laws, the laws of the world now, because all the, uh, the entire court systems of, of, of every country comes from Torah law. Like we would, Judicial. Right, like the entire court, Harvard, Yale, Brown, like every university of the world, they, it came from Judaism. So, you know, we were the ones with the great courts in thousands of years ago. So uh, now I'm not going to start changing that. So right. uh, so I don't. So because of that, I, I follow Orthodox Judaism. And with that, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. You have to do this, you have to do that. And there are all these laws. So... And, and now I have this, this, I'm gay. So now what do I do? And there, it's a very big challenge. It's a challenge for me. So I don't live a gay lifestyle and I choose not to live a gay lifestyle. And, um, and I, you know, my God, I haven't had sex in 13 years, but I eat a lot. So <laughs> you have sex with your sandwiches. That sounds I have gross. Sex with sandwiches, right. I think you are so brave. I am not making any political remarks here. I'm, I'm saying this from my heart. I think every person has to do what feels right for them divinely. And that doesn't always mean pleasure. I think the American way is, does it feel good? Do it. Jump on your car naked, do it, feel it. It's like, I, you do that, you. Right. yeah, right. I don't, right. I don't believe that because there should be some sort of like, this whole thing with pedophilia now, and I'm not, God forbid, I'm not comparing being gay to that because I have a point at the end to make, but, you know, in California, the laws are getting lifted. It's like, there's TED Talks right now about how it's, we just have to accept this like someone who loves someone of the same gender. First of all, some of these things need a little bit of an attention here to like be in different categories, but it really freaks me out that there's this moral equivalency with certain things. Right, it's a very big mistake when they try to change a law to appease themselves as opposed right. to challenging right. themselves to, to follow the law. But right. I also, on the same hand, understand that if you, in the beginning, if at first, if you, even if, if you don't believe in divine law, right. how in the world are you going to change yourself to follow that law? If you think that, that all laws are created by man, then you too are a man, and you too, when I say man, you know, mankind. Human. You, yeah. human. You too can create a law and change the law. So yes, so that's where there's always a fork in the road, and there's always a breakdown yes. with divine and human. Right, and nuance. I think that's what I love about Judaism, that there's nuance to things. I'm watching Shtisel right now, and it's like, I'm in love with the show. I'm watching it for the second time, and it's like, they're cousins, they're first cousins. Like, is it so bad? right? Because they have such a love for each other. And I have a friend, Steve Greenberg, who is, you know, famous for being the first Orthodox rabbi that came out, out of YU. And he says, I love my partner so much. I love my husband. I want to bring him tea in the middle of the night. Right. God bless. You know, it's not me. I'm not judging. And I'm pro-gay and I'm pro-gay rights. Yeah. I don't believe that a government has the right to jump in and 100%. say, you can't marry who you love. No way. So I support Absolutely. all my gay friends. Uh, for me, right, me I don't. 
I don't support me to be gay. <laughs> Isn't that great? I support everyone else, but not me. <laughs> but this is what I think is so fascinating and brave about you. Let's watch this video about conservative versus liberal black 20 to 45 year old. It was from Vice TV. It's fascinating. See if you can watch it. Four conservatives and four liberals. And one of the guys who's staunch conservative, he's so well-spoken and he's so cute and he's gay and married to a man. And he spoke so beautifully. And it was like really hard for me not to see his points. Like I'm, I call myself a moderate. I really loved, I love hearing the dialogue. I just wrote a love letter to my fellow American souls. And it's just me opening my heart and begging everyone who lives in this country to just stop with the hate and the violence and the senseless anger because I'm so sick of it, but I love hearing people's sides. I like to hear, why would you make that choice? And why would, and just listening to you, it reminds me of this staunch conservative gay man from San Francisco who has his morals and his beliefs and they're so clear and they're so beautiful. And people are like putting him down and saying, well, you belong to this group, so you should believe X, Y, Z, and A and B. And it's beautiful, like- Beautiful to you because you have a beautiful faith in God and you really believe in God. Uh, there are many people who don't believe in God. If you don't believe in God, you're going to look at that person like, like he's a, a nutcase. And like, you know, you mm -hmm. believe in this thing that, that that's what you think. God is beautiful. God is this. And they start telling you and dictating to you what God is. I'm like, no, that's God to you. Don't tell me what God is to me. That's who God is to you. God is this loving thing that allows you to do anything and everything you want. I'm like, not in Judaism. Right. <laughs> not our God. We have, we have a, a little bit of a crime and punishment kind of God. If you kill, you got to do jail time. <laughs> like a, right, gotta, as opposed to, gotta, I felt bad about it, okay? Like, you kill. Well, I love you, my child. Kill more people and I'll love you forever. Yeah, that... I, I hear you, loud and clear. I heard you say this once. A lot of people are like, oh, Danny, you're so outdated. You keep kosher, you keep Shabbat. You've been known to do those things. And someone once said, ugh, it's so archaic. Why do you do that? And then when the pandemic started, you said something to them like... Uh, what do you think now? People are like coming to you a little bit. What does the book say? Is this in there? Because it's so otherworldly. Last time this happened in the world, my grandmother was born in, in 1918 in the tenements of New York. And she told me what it was like growing up during that time, the Spanish flu and, you know, sharing a bathroom with 25 people on the same floor or more because there were like six people in her family already. And, and that was the upgrade. It used to be an outhouse, you know, then it moved to the floor and it's like, it was tough and they definitely believed in God, but then it became, I think for our grandparents' generation, it was like, throw the tefillin into the Ellis Island water, you know, cause it, it only brought pain. They were escaping, Judaism equaled pain. They, you know, and also Christianity too, when Mussolini and, and you know, Hitler, like these people were trying to kill God. People don't want to remember that, that, you know, Hitler and all his cronies and, you know, Saddam Hussein. The, Empire, the Babylonian Empire. Yeah, they were atheists. The Empire, the Spanish Inquisition. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It doesn't And end. the Chinese government too. Like there's no God. There, it's them. You have to be a very, it's, it's not for everybody. I mean, there are a lot of people who lose faith. They lose faith because life is very difficult and there are a lot of challenges. And sometimes people cannot weather the storm. It's very difficult. I, you know, you can't judge. I, I know we both, I know you're not judging, but you know, no. we, you can't judge people who can't weather a storm. If you want to call it that, I call it that. No. 
you know. But I mean, what's interesting is in for us, like my my belief, like my teachers, even the most like re- quote unquote religious ones that live near your mom in Harnof, like they're so like God is God is easy. You just try to follow the guidelines and. When you do, and when things still hurt and life really suck, it's going to be for the good. I promise you. Yeah. That concept changed my whole, that one, like. Beautiful. Things yeah. will get better. That's just wait, Katsuma. Yeah. That one. one. Yeah. And then also that we're not here just to have a good time. We should try to have a good time while we're here. But the point of it is actually to grow, period, end of sentence, period. Right. It's not just to growing. It's about growth. And so I'm just I have so much admiration for you because you are choosing a life that could be very threatening to somebody who's like, this is your identity. Let me just slap this identity on you. Really, I have no friends in the comedy world anymore. I don't I don't really have any friends. They look at me like I'm just some sort of nutcase. Like they don't really they can't put it together. Like they don't understand it's too complex. You know, there's not, it's not, not following a narrative. I'm not following a party. I'm not, it's like, it's like, I, I, I come off like someone who's very confused and I am confused. <laughs> you know, Are like, you I, though? You sound pretty yeah, clear. It's a very confusing world to live in. The truth of the matter is when you really get down to the bottom line is life is complicated. It really is very complicated, complicated. It is. I mean, when you believe in God, when you don't believe in God, I don't know. Then I guess it's just you. I don't know. I, I don't know. Worshiping yourself. <laughs> right. You go and go get that money and go right. get that plastic surgery. Go get that car. Go Everything get, outside go, go of yourself. Is, go go yeah. get it. Right. You know, you, you go, you know, and it's all about that because what else is there if there's no God? It's all about, it's all about this. It's all about your walls and your picture than your pillow. And so that's what it's about. There's no God, really. And that's sad to me that your friends who are supposed to be unconditionally loving and, and if they, they don't want to believe in a conditional God, I think God is unconditional. And I think God gives us this like little recipe list to try to follow as best that we can to have the most pleasurable, happy, meaningful life, purposeful life. But for some reason, Everybody's made that into, if it doesn't make me happy in the moment, right away, and it's it, I got to see it, and it's got to be logical, and it's got to fit in this party, and this per, and it's all about pol- driving me crazy instead of, like, where's the, let's see. Let's see if this, let's, the, the process. And the God that I believe in is unconditional. So even if I don't dot every I and cross every T, because I, I, I also don't keep everything fully. I, I did for a long time. I was, I went right into yeshiva and became very, very religious for like 10 years, all because I wanted God to be a soda machine. You put in the quarters, be 52 and you get out of Pepsi. I thought I'll be religious. I'll do all these things. I'll become very, very religious and not touch guys and not talk to guys unless I'm on a date with them. I mean, honestly, I was, it was so funny too, because I was wearing like a tank top and shorts, but I'd go on these dates and they don't touch me, you know, because I was like, not going to give up my shorts. But then, but then I got more and more. And then I was skirts only and fully kosher. And now I eat like dairy out, whatever. But I have to explain my, I also feel that I'm living in, in a difficult world sometimes where it's like, come on, you know, you're religious and you should, you know, those people that say you have to do this, this, and this. And it's so damaging because I know that at the end of the day, when I put my head on my pillow and I do my shema at night and I forgive everyone, which is such a great prayer to do, 
feel like everyone should practice that regardless of what religion you are. Just those two lines. I forgive everyone, no matter whether this lifetime or another and, and now. And I forgive myself too for please forgive us both. But like when I say that at night, I know I did the best I could every day to try to do the best that I could. And just knowing that I know God loves me. I'm not getting points off, but yeah, there's like a continuum and I could try to do a little more in this area and volunteering and giving charity. My prayer at night is always, and you'll love this. I always pray to God, give me the strength and the wisdom to be on the right journey for myself because I don't know what that journey is. I don't know what the direction is. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what's going on, but I pray that he gives me the strength and the wisdom to get to the place I need to go because I don't know. I don't know how to get there. I truly don't. So if, and I say that every night, I'm like, if anything, please just give me the strength and the wisdom to get on that path that will take me to where I need to go, to, to take me to where you want me to go because I don't know how to get there. I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. And so it's a beautiful, it's a, and it's, it's like a, it, it's everything you want. You know what I'm saying? It's better than money because if that's the path you're gonna get on, then you're gonna get your money, then that's where you are. stardom is on that journey, then that's where you're gonna go. Whatever, it, it, it encompasses your everything. So, and I yeah. love the strength and the strength and the wisdom and the strength, because you need, the ability to, to get there, and you need the, the strength. strength of the mind. The clarity. The clarity. And maybe to, that's what's missing from our friends. I'll still call them your friends, because I'm sure once they know you, they love you. You can't really do anything to make them not love you. Even if they don't talk to you anymore, they still love you, because how could you not love Danny Cohen? There's a part of them that maybe is unsure, and so you represent the I don't knowness of life. The I'm, I'm in the struggle. I'm in, everyone wants everything in a but. Well, I'm this, and so I check, check, check. Like this is what I don't vote for, and this is my blood type, and this is where I live, and this is the only community I can live in, and it's the only people I can talk to. And if you don't do that, oh, I'm exhausted. Human nature. People want to know reasons, and they want to feel like, oh, if I do this, this happened. This happened because that happened. You know, like really in God's world, we have no idea how he works. <laughs> we have no idea why we get the things we get. We don't know why children are born without arms. Babies are born blind and they have to live on Earth, planet Earth blind. We don't understand God's work, but that's God's work. There is right. a challenge there for the child. There's a challenge there for the parents and all the loved ones surrounding that yeah. baby born blind. There are right. challenges given to us. Those are big challenges. Those are really big challenges. I also pray another one of my prayers. Yeah, what is it? A lot. God, I know you're going to give me challenges because that's what you're all about. You love giving your people challenges. <laughs> Please make the challenges easy. I can't deal with big challenges. Whatever you got to do, just give me small challenges so I can sort of they're little hurdles and I can sort of deal with them because I can't deal with big challenges. Right. I've had a few big challenges in my life. Yeah. I, speaking of challenges, I bring this up a lot. A friend of mine, Lisa, she has MS and she's had it for several years and she wound up getting pregnant and having a baby and being an incredible mom through this whole thing. She had two kids before MS and then really wanted a, a baby girl and this incredible miracle happened. She got this special medicine when she had the baby girl that she wouldn't have been able to afford, but because she was on this 
trial. It was incredible. And she didn't have any symptoms the entire pregnancy and even during the milk feeding of this baby. Ah, And everyone said, you can't do it. It can't be done. You're in harm's way. No, thank God. God gave her what she wanted. You could still believe in God and it wouldn't. It worked for her. It might not work for somebody else, but it worked for her. But she said to me once, I was having a really hard day, single, frustrated, wanting so much to get married, thinking, you know, for a long time, I really believed this being married would save me or make me really, really happy. Like a lot of people. And it was like crushing my soul not to be married. And I'm like, you know, starting at 24, dating for marriage. Now I'm like 35, 36. And she calls me one day out of the blue. She says, how you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I've already dated a hundred guys. I wrote a mu- musical about it. I went on tour with it. You'd think that somebody would have seen it and said, oh, I have someone for you, which they did, but I, it wasn't my Bashir yet. What my soulmate yet? And she says, you know, when you get up to heaven, God is going to say, you could have had a few more. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I always thank God for all my challenges. This is a woman with multiple sclerosis and she's in her thirties when she's telling me this, okay? With a cane. She says, we're not here just to party, Barb. We're here to grow. And when we get upstairs, we're going to wish we had more. Right. Because that's what this, that's the merit of this world. It's so crazy when you and it sounds so masochistic but if you actually look at it it's quantum it's it's the kabbalah portion of the torah law it's the mysticism that's where you're going to get all of this stuff it's in the mysticism and people are very attracted to that part because it's very like right but how much suffering would cease if people actually thought that all the time like Oh, this has got to be for the good. This struggle, this this frustration, this moment of faith that I have to endure, instead of damning it and saying, "Oh, you see, that means there's no God, and life sucks, and I'm going to complain about it online." For th- that's why I love socializing with you. you. You totally are on board with all of the of the stupidity that goes on really basis. It's good to talk to you. I have a lot you. of friends that they complain, they blame, they point, fill out. And just focus on you and fix you and just be you. And that's not you. That's them. Focus on you. They're so egocentric. And the minute it's about them, they'll start pointing fingers at somebody else. It's a generation of narcissists, especially Americans, because we had it so easy. They're, they decided, I had a rough childhood. Who hasn't? Let's go throw back at 300 years ago. We <laughs> 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 were living in tents and like we're raping your children. Like <laughs> There was no police force. There was nothing. If you, if you had a gun, you would have to protect your family from bandits that came in the middle of the night and took your wife away and your children. I mean, yep. that's what life was 300 years ago. So yep. life isn't so bad in like Long Island. <laughs> you know. I know. And then it becomes, because I went through this really difficult time, I just can't with this, which means I don't really have to take responsibility for anything I did, because I suffered for a few years once a long time ago. So I'm going to resist everything that you're saying because I don't do anything wrong. I'm always right. And let me tell you why I'm right. And I have like 40 followers that feel the same way. And so they're going to chime in here on, on my comments. And It's so sick. I know. It's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. And it's very, very simple, by the way. It's a very simple way of look, approaching your life and, and, you know, try to get deeper, try to get more complex, try to get into it. Like a lot of people are afraid of getting into their, into their soul, you know, into the minutia 
of your neshama and like understanding that it's like, no, it's just going to be a lot of stuff happening and a lot of shit hitting the fan all the time. And you're going to have to figure out how to surf through it and still be cool and be loving and being okay with all the garbage that comes your way, <laughs> being grateful and, and being thankful and, and giving even with, and with all of that coming your way, giving, still giving, you have to give your charity and help others that are, don't have legs are on the streets. I hate the labels and I hate putting people in boxes and I hate when people put me in a box just because I'm trying to love somebody. And I really wish that people didn't go to politics as their church or their synagogue but, or their Buddhist temple or their but mosque. No, but then it comes, then what do you do when the time comes to vote? Then you have to make a decision. Then suddenly you have to be a boxed in person. Suddenly you have to give yourself a title because- you But have it's to- a moment in time. Right, right, right. right. And it that doesn't is- have to define you as a human yeah. being. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because at the end of the day, that guy with the red hair who's in office right now, just a guy with red hair and a big mouth. That's it. And the guy who's running against him, who people want to say is Mr. Rogers, is just a guy who kind of sounds like Mr. Rogers, but he's he's just a man. It goes back to exactly what you said so well, Danny. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and live every day and and try to be the best that we can be. What happened to that? Because that actually makes ripples in the world. You be the change you want to see so that you can actually make a difference. Otherwise, if it's up to that guy who's living in that house that's white, uh, good luck, because that's not the country. I mean, that's not even what our government is supposed to be. It's all the people voting for it. Who Who are those people? Okay, let's get back to some fun stuff. So who was the person in your life, you don't have to say their name, that you had to forgive? One of the biggest things that ever happened to you that you had to forgive, and how did you do it? Um, I have to forgive this one person. And Oprah Winfrey helped me with that. You know, she, Oprah changed the face of this country because she introduced therapy to people who were in the middle of the country who knew knew nothing about therapy. Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's first of all a very Jewish thing, but also it's a very cosmopolitan. Not people don't go to therapy in like middle America. They just don't in the mm-hmm. South. They don't go in Alabama. Oh, did you, how was your therapy today? <laughs> no one's going to therapy. Every day at four o'clock when she had a program on, take responsibility for ourselves, for our future from here and then tomorrow. How are we going to better ourselves and how are we going to take care of ourselves? Because we're responsible for ourselves. She had this one show where it was about forgiveness. It was a whole meditation show where you sat and everyone meditated. It was the craziest thing. I was crying in my living room. It was like a really great thing. And I understood it's okay to, to just forgive things of the past. Sort of just let it go and just take care of yourself and to take responsibility to fix and to just allow yourself to let it go. It's okay. It's fine. It's the past. It doesn't have to be your future. If you say, I'm stopping today, I want a different tomorrow, you can do that. It's not easy. It might take a lot of work. But if you keep on that path, you can change tomorrow, your yeah. tomorrow. Right. You don't have to be a slave to your past. Well, you said that so beautifully. You get really good at what you practice. So if you don't forgive and you hold on to the pain body of like someone that hurt you, you're just going to keep doing it. You're going to get really good at not forgiving, not forgiving, not forgiving. And we both know people like that. There were a couple of rabbis that were really harsh with you. And I had that too. I had somebody who told me if I just became a little more religious by 30, I'd be married. And that whole year, it was crazy. Yeah. It's not. It's so I know. Crazy. 
interesting to say to somebody. You can be very impressionable when you really, really want something so badly because you think it's going to bring you happiness. And he did the worst thing that a rabbi or anyone in a spiritual garb could do. He said the word of God, like Alice Wonderland, just eat this, you'll get there. And I listened and that whole year and a half that I listened to him, I was in such a rush to get to that place and it didn't happen. Right. And it was so painful and it took me years. It took me like two full years to forgive him because I went through so much anxiety and so much sadness and I lost 15 pounds and I was already skinny. He's very limited. Very limited, but I did forgive him and I talked to him about it. And he said, yeah, I really made a mistake with that. I said, good. I'm glad that you're aware of it. We never really spoke again. But when I think, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm glad I did that because I don't hold on to it. You know, I only tell that story when it comes up to help people, but I wish him the best. And clearly you also forgave God for taking your dad. There is no other explanation then he just was needed upstairs or like i said you know things happen so yeah that was easy to forget that was i i forgave god many many years ago my 20s i understood right away that i don't understand the direction you know he's a director god and he's directing this movie and i'm an actor i'm not the director so you're the director you tell me what to do and i'll do it so it's like that's what the book of laws are and you follow the laws and that that's the script you play with your with everything that's given to you, and then you do whatever. So I understood many years ago, I was like, okay, he's a director. I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Clearly, this is part of my movie. This is part of, this is my life. And that's okay. You know, he could have taken away my father and my mother. And I could have ended up being a foster child, being moved from house to house, being molested in houses, and not knowing where I am, and not knowing who I, you know, like I could have been in a lot and then losing my eyesight. <laughs> like, you know, like, who, what, Helen Keller, and she became this huge sensation. You know, she couldn't speak, she couldn't hear, she couldn't, she didn't, couldn't do anything. She was really, like, had nothing to give, really. And she gave so much for the little that she was able to do was like a million bucks. And it's pretty inspirational. It's, it's crazy. You're so adorable. I mean... You're amazing, Barbara. I love talking to you. You're very spiritual and it's really great. It's very refreshing. Thank you. I, I mean, I could say the same thing about you. It's like, I feel like it's not popular to be spiritual or want to not use medicine and just pray, you know, or like ask, what can I learn from this? Or I think you said it really well, or you were like leading up to it, which is certainty. We all want certainty. And so the idea of not having certainty and leaving it up to something bigger than us and actually really trying to just have a good time while we're here to grow, like just those two concepts. Lived in Hollywood for 17 years. I work in that world also. And it's kind of a lonely life. I, there's so many times I can't open my mouth and I just listen and I listen with my whole heart and I love, I actually love these people that are it's seemingly diametrically, fundamentally different than me because there's room for all of it. I see the way you listen to people with a full heart and I wish, I wish that was more popular too because there's all this canceling like, no, and there's no more conversation anymore. Everything's an argument and then bye-bye. That is like the bottom barrel. That is like when people stop listening to each other. It's yeah. over. Like then, it, then it's war. Then if that, and then it's war. I don't think it's the end of days. I think there's always that possibility. Someone's going to come. Either he's coming back or a new guy's coming or some Buddha or Mahat. I don't care. I don't really care what the name is. Either 
the Mashiach or the Messiah or some great leader or teacher is going to come into the world because we loved each other so much and we got the message that we can see each other's beautiful souls or with our differences or because we hurt each other so much, we need another wipeout like Noah's Ark. I am praying for the first one. That's why I started this podcast because I really, like you, believe deep down. I'm a romantic at heart. I really believe in human beings. I love that you just said that. I got it. I understand. I always go to that place. But, you know, I, I like where you're going with this. And I'm glad that, that yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, my sister would go to that place also. It's very nice. I hope so. I hope you're right. Well, I think you just went to that place even for a moment. Yeah, and that's all you need, just a moment of hope. And then... Me there. Yeah. Oh, that's very... It was so nice to talk to you. I, I have nothing, no further questions, Your Honor. It was amazing as always. We should end it with a duet. Oh, know? let's do no, it. I don't sing. I know. Yes, you do. You sing with Jesse all the time. You have a stunning voice. Though. You brought it up. Let's write a song about people getting along. Um, I don't know. People need to get along. Yeah, yeah. That's good. People need to get along. People need to get along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen to my Danny song. Yeah. Cause when you listen with both ears, you're gonna stop crying those tears. And then you won't have any fears. Cause people need to get along. Whoa. I don't know what I'm saying, but I don't care. Bye, Katya. Bye. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. And I loved it. Shedding tears. Just, I don't know. I love you all so much. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. He's crying in, in Texas. Yeah, Danny will make you cry either from laughing so hard or because he's so kind and generous that you, your heart is crying because you're like, how does this person exist? That really got me is when, when you went there, Danny, whenever you went to that place where you felt, I felt so hopeless and you were like, it's going to end, like this is it. And then it wasn't it, you know? And then you, you decided that wasn't it. And that was just, I don't know, that gave me chills and that made me start crying because we're all going through that. And I, I, go, I go with Barb, there's a lot of people waking up. I'm, I'm 22 and let me tell you, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it somehow. We're going to get through and you guys are going to be there. Whether it be physically or spiritually, we're going to get there. I believe it. That's out of the mouth of us. Generations Z. Oh my God, you're the cutest person in Brooklyn. Love you, Barbara. And that's hard. I love you too. All right, have a good afternoon. Hopefully I'll talk to you soon. And I really appreciate you doing this. There's a small list of reasons why I'm sad I left New York and you're at the top of it. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. And here are some takeaways or nuggets of wisdom from today's episode. Some people do hide trauma well, but trauma or post-traumatic stress can show up in the body as pain bodies. We carry it around in different ways depending on the person. Our episode of almost, so I make mention of this midway through the beginning of this particular episode. So Danny Cohen and myself were in an episode of a series that I created with Todd Stone and it's called Almost by Heller and Stone and Danny is in episode three and he plays a very funny and confused therapist and I think you'll really enjoy that. So just go to YouTube and type in Almost by Heller and Stone and watch 
all six episodes in under an hour because they're each between three minutes and 10 minutes. Acting class can be great therapy. Screaming or screaming louder won't get you what you want, but love is power. Love is powerful. It's the most powerful tool. Listen and love. These are all pieces of advice from Stephen Job. He's an acting teacher. He is someone who changed Danny's life. Hashtag Danny and the lady on Danny's Instagram. Now, Danny's Instagram is definitely something you have to follow right away. And it's uh, Danny Cohen comedy on Instagram. Shtissel is a show on Netflix about a very religious Jewish family that takes place in Jerusalem. And it's all about their real struggles. And there's so much nuance and beauty in this show. Uh, It reminds me of when I lived in Israel for almost two years and I was going to different Jewish schools there and volunteering and just traveling across the country and just being in and out of religious homes and seeing the good, the bad, the difficult, the challenging, the ugly, the gorgeous, the miraculous. It's, it's an amazing show. What I love about it is that it's so dramatic. It's so deep and there's not one bit of nudity. There's not one bad word. There's no kissing scenes. And yet you feel all the drama. Religion can equal pain for some people. Tefillin in Hebrew is leather prayer boxes that typically men will wrap around their arm and also their forehead. Bedtime prayers. So I do a bedtime prayer practice of the Shema and Danny does the please give me the strength and the wisdom to help me get to where I'm going prayer because I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And I thought that was worth uh, reminding you about in here because I think that's such a great prayer to say before you go to sleep in the middle of the day when you wake up. It's good for any time. I have a friend named Lisa who once said, we're not just here to party, we're here to grow and we're going to want to have more as much as we possibly can to grow from before we go. The word neshama is Hebrew for the word soul. Life is complicated and you're going to have to learn how to surf and be grateful and still give you be the change you want to see. This is a lesson that Danny learned from Oprah. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and our own choices and it's not fully up to who we vote for. Katya, my producer, comes in at the end, and I had to leave it in because even though it was such a spur-of-the-moment unplanned thing, I just think it's so beautiful what she says and how moved to tears she is by Danny's episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you were moved, inspired, want to share it, please do. Please put it on your Facebook pages. Please join us on C1 Beautiful Soul, the podcast page, and also the C1 Beautiful Soul community group. Please join me on Instagram at Barbie Heller. That's B-A-R-B-I-E-H-E-L-L-E-R. Feel free to also join me on Facebook on my own page, which is Barb Heller Artist and Educator. And you can always email me with questions or tell me what you think about this episode or any other episode. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can find me at info at barbheller.com. And thanks again for listening. I am starting another eight-week course in a few weeks, so look out for that. If you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, some sign-ups for a free three- to five-day workshop that will be live on Facebook, and then you can join the course if you'd like. Totally no obligation to you during the three- to five-day free challenge. I've been hearing from people that it's life-changing and transformative. I also have some new TED Talkers. I'm teaching a private course on how to create a beautiful keynote speech. So if it's something that you'd like to get more into, if you don't love your speaking style so much and you want to work on that or the way that you come across as a public speaker, 
I can help you with that. So please feel free to reach out to me at info at barbheller.com. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always. Always.